Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffy. By golly gosh. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scrub. My goodness. And Glenn Quarterman. Wow, we. A proud Victorian parked permanently in the West who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me. Together they are Duff Duff and Quarters. You know who. And this is your favourite footy podcast. It's unbelievable. Hello everybody, it is Thursday, it is time for the second edition this week of the Duff and Quarters podcast. We are brought to you by Tab Touch, those with the touch, better your bet, download Tab Touch today, please gamble responsibly and please call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858 if you encounter any difficulties. Quarters, someone who has encountered difficulties, well, a group of people, the AFL, the AFL Players Association, WorkSafe South Australia and the Adelaide Crows in the wake of Eddie Betts's, uh revelations in his book, The Boy from Boomerang Crescent, and uh, basically just opening the door and telling his truth from the notorious Adelaide camp of 2017, which shines a light on that again and doesn't paint other people who passed judgment on that camp and ticked off on it in a very good light, I would argue. No, so the AFL, the Adelaide Football Club, WorkSafe South Australia, all said we've done our investigation. The protocols weren't quite right, so we'll we've addressed that. Um, this is I look forward to reading this biography. Actually, the boy from Boomerang Crescent, great title, by the way. We knew about a lot of the stuff. We knew that it had started in 2017 and we knew that they'd made the grand final in 2017 and then they fell off the edge a bit in 2018. And then these revelations came out after the post-season or pre-season Gold Coast camp. We knew about the message sticks, um, which sort of raised my eyebrows at the time. What we didn't know is the personal stuff that has been revealed in Eddie's book, the stuff about him being a... You'll be a shit father because you only had a mum. All of that sort of stuff. So it's like they took information garnered in supposedly private conversations with individual players and then unleashed that information in a group setting in front of teammates. And the danger of that, well, I don't think we even have to talk about the danger of that, do we? It's just wrong on every level. And, you know, this... People, some people will view this through the prism of it being an Indigenous thing because there were Indigenous elements to this, but this goes beyond... It does, yeah. Th- this is just about basic player welfare and, and, and the basic principle of first do no harm. And, <laughs> I mean, I'm staggered by this. I'm, I'm also, like, there's been a lot of toing and froing in the wake of WorkSafe South Australia's finding of, you know, no fault, the AFL saying, you know, they didn't breach any rules or regulations, the the AFL Players Association sort of hosing the whole thing down and the Adelaide Football Club just wanting to move on. Um, I keep on going back to them doing the power stance yeah. at the 2017, you know, during the 2017 finals. They did it against Geelong in the prelim. I was there that night and obviously I was there at the grand final next week when they did it against Richmond. Anyone who is not a rusted-on Adelaide fan who hasn't smelt too much liniment and hasn't drunk a bit too much of the Kool-Aid, looked at that and went, yeah, that's a bit weird. The Powerade stance? The power stance. The power stance was weird and the Powerade stance. <laughs> the, uh, but they got off the bus. This was what was revealed this week in the biography. They got off the bus during one of those weird bus trips they had where they were blindfolded and they were playing the Richmond theme song over and over again. Um, I could have just sent them to the Royal Hotel in Melbourne for that, by the way. Yeah, but, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, they I, think got the, a, I think the London Tavern in... Um, yeah, they played the song over and over again. I, I, think, I think that gets a fair work out there it after does. Richmond. But they... they, uh, they uh, um, got off the bus, took the blindfolds off, and there were blokes just ble- dressed in black bodysuits standing in front of them doing the power stance. And they thought, hang, hang on, this is a bit weird. And it just got, uh, as Alice would say in Wonderland, curiouser and curiouser <laughs> as the weekend rolled on. Um, so we laugh because 
that stuff. We're laughing at the other stuff, not that stuff. It's yeah, the, but th- this is not funny. No, it's not. And and the thing is, I think I'm sure the AFL was thinking, well, that's gone. Thank goodness we move on. But the problem is, is the residue. There is residue here for a lot of these players. What? How's Adelaide gone since? By the way, yeah, no good, no good. So there's residue particularly with the Indigenous players, when you're talking cultural elements of, um, you know, message sticks, etc., that's powerful for them. And I don't think you should be messing with that stuff at all if you don't have any clue what you're dealing with, which clearly they didn't. They just thought it would be a good idea at the time. Let's do that. The personal stuff just beggars belief that they would do that. Like, we're all for... I don't mind a pre-season camp and a bit of, you know, a few beers, a bit of fun, a bit of honesty... But that's just going above and beyond, or just way beyond uh, that cutting into that personal stuff. But you won't it, find a huge better human being now. I mean, Eddie's a leader in his community. He's a leader of the AFL community. He's got it right. Um, you know, yeah, just just can't understand why they went there. So the the bottom line here is that what is the game that they play? The game is football. What are the three phases of football? You've got it, they've got it, the ball is in dispute. How does any of this help with any of that? Yeah, it's a really good question. And and the other thing is that how could they possibly look at the Adelaide player group? The same player group whose coach was killed. Two years earlier, yeah. And who gathered themselves and played in a final series later that year. How could they look at that group and say that this group lacks resilience? We said that at the time, Duff, uh, when this came to, to being, when we knew about this camp. We said, this is the team that has clawed its way back from its coach being murdered to playing in a grand final. So there's a fair bit of depth there, depth of character to start with. So I, mean, I think Collective Minds is the name of the organisation. Oh, just collective idiocy. I mean, it just, just makes no sense at all. Thankfully, I think from here, we, we, we'll move away from that stuff. No, I. No, know, we will. There'll still be preseason camp, but I don't think they'll be going anywhere near this stuff. You no, think they will? You know what? This is the problem. Everyone, when a, when a club like Adelaide does this, let's not forget Adelaide did this six years after Essendon did what they did. Let's not forget that Essendon came on the wake of the Melbourne tanking fiasco. This stuff happens. At footy clubs, because there's a guy I respect greatly in footy. I'm not going to name him because he still works actively in the game. And clearly, when you he looked at what another club was doing, and he made the point to me, he said, "It's amazing at footy clubs if there are 12 things they need to do to play better footy, they will ignore all 12 of them and grasp at some quick fix." Which is what Essendon did with the supplement saga. Melbourne's tanking thing was a little bit different. Because ba- other teams had done it. Because basically the system rewards it. They just, you know, they showed a complete lack of nous as to how go how to go about it. You what you do is you don't put unnecessary miles on the clock of your older and banged up players. You send everyone off for surgery. If if they need surgery, you get it done. You play your young players. You tell them to go out and win. You do not play to not win. Yeah. You tell them to go out and win, but you pick teams with a view to the future, not necessarily in terms of getting the W that weekend. And it's also prudent list management to your better, more senior players. If they are carrying injuries and they need surgery and you are no chance of playing finals, you get them in. So Melbourne ended up having to play Paul Johnson at fullback on Matty Lloyd in a game against Essendon because they were going to win the game. And they, mm-hmm. they ended up having to put a Ruckman at fullback. How many Matty kicked that day? Well, a lot. Mm. But, they, but they, you know, they... They end up having to do stuff like that that people look at and they go, and, and the, the damage that does to your club, because your fans who don't sit in on list management meetings and who don't appreciate the need to get a top draft pick, they just want to go and see their team have a crack. They look at Paul Johnson. Paul Johnson was incidentally a very good waffle player and a very good backup AFL ruckman. He just wasn't an AFL full back. Not any day of the week. and. Yeah. And not twice on Sundays. So, so that will continue. But I would be shocked if these camps go ahead again without a red flag being waved as to what the content is. Quarters, so what's the content? Don't underestimate the ability of a group of people to disappear down a rabbit hole in search of better performance. I get that, but surely this is a big red flag. It is. For, for I don't the ex- content of a camp. I don't expect... 
um, indigenous cultural artifacts, if you like, to be wrongly appropriated at future camps. But there'll be some other rabbit hole that some group will disappear down in the so-called search for better performers. And even, you know, I'd, I look at leadership groups. I don't like leadership groups. And behaviours. You know, they talk about behaviours and trademarks and this sort of thing. Isn't the most important thing in footy to do what the Dacos brothers do? Go and get the footy and use it well? Yeah, correct. Um, and, yes, that's right. Let's. I'm not big for leadership groups. You know, really interestingly, Bluey McKenna often talks about the Code Red at West Coast during their glory years of the early 90s and the late 80s. And that was basically Woosha, Monkey, Michael Brennan, the vice captain, and a few others, but mainly those two, code red. So if a player was getting ahead of himself, getting a bit of a, um, a big head, um, not doing the right thing, a code red would be called. That player would be called in. Um, uh, the coach knew about it, but the captain and the vice captain took care of it. And they would, let's just say the player would leave that meeting knowing quite well where he stood. And um, he the uh, the ballooned head was no longer ballooned. So that's the way they carried on. Now there might have been things said in that that were personally insulting to him. But they the point is they were done privately with that player. This yeah. was a public for this is a forum of the players. So they got a lot wrong with this camp. And you know how we know because we're still talking about it several several years later. Yeah, so, and and even when these bodies found nothing to see here, you know they haven't breached. We all looked at it, and again, I go back to the power stance, mm. and you go, no, nah, that's weird. You know what I think of when I think of 2017 Grand Final? Right. I think of Richmond's win, breaking a drought, and the power stance. It's not even who they played. It's the power stance. Well, the, the thing I think of, and I just start laughing, which again is trivialising what is clearly a serious matter, but I just start laughing out loud to myself that they thought that would intimidate those shrinking violets Dustin Martin, mm. Alex Rance, Trent Cotchen, Toby Nankervis, Dylan Grimes, Damian Hardwick, etc., etc., etc. The Richmond team of 2017 was fairly robust. It was. And when I first saw the power stance, I actually thought it was a piss take. I actually thought, and then they did it again. Yeah. I thought, oh, okay, right, they're serious here. I thought they must have been marking something. So when I saw it at the preliminary final night at Adelaide Oval um, and sitting in the um, the media box and saw him do it and went, that's pretty strange. What's going on there? You know, is there some occasion they're marking? Is there yeah. some charity okay. they're honouring? Yeah. And then it became clear in the days following what they were actually doing and you sort of get, no, no, that's just weird. And that is just completely misguided a misguided use of energy and resources. It's inviting ridicule, and f particularly from your opponent. Yeah. I would have loved an, op an opponent to do that to me. Yep. Because it's, yeah, it was strange behaviour, and it, it's got stranger and stranger, so I don't know where it goes from here. The AFLPA, whether you think they swept it under the carpet or not, has announced uh, in the last 24 hours that they are going to be re-interviewing every single Adelaide player who is involved. At least that's their intent. Now, there may be Adelaide players who won't be involved in that or don't want to be involved in that. They might just want to move on. But that's the AFLPA stance on it now. I don't know where it goes from here. I don't think the, AF, the AFL have said, we've been through the process, nothing more to see here. Uh, I just hope that it is a red flag, Duff. Well, it's, it'll be a red flag and there'll be certain measures put in place. But my question about the AFL Players Association is, how come your bobbing up in situations where we don't really feel like you need it and where are you in situations where it you is clear you don't think they're needed in this circumstance now yeah I do yeah that's the thing but where were they so yeah okay so they finally got off their ass basically. where were they at Essendon yep good point where were they at Melbourne when the Melbourne players clearly according to Brock McLean were basically being encouraged to lose these, this is where you needed boys could these things have happened if there's a more robust AFL Players Association? I still think they would have happened. Do you reckon Essendon? Do you reckon Essendon could possibly have happened if the culture of AFL players and their interaction with their AFL Players Association was such that those players that there were a group of let's say five senior Essendon players who went to the AFL Players Association and said, 
uh, they're asking us to do this. What do you reckon? I think it was a different time, and I think at that that was a point where you would do any if your co- if your coaching panel said this is the way we're going, you would have no reason to question this is the right thing to do. Okay, so my counterpoint to that is that some ten years earlier than that, when Fremantle felt a few too many of their players were um, partying hard, they wanted to introduce breath testing and possibly even drug testing. And the AFL Players Association intervened. You can't do that, not in the workplace. But what? You can do an unauthorised supplements program mm. or you can uh, completely inappropriately use Indigenous artefacts at a pre-season camp. You can do those things. I think they're present when they don't need to be present. And I think they're absent when they need to be present. I think the AFL Players Association needs to redefine itself and needs to work out what it is supposed to be. And they're not just some negotiating tool every time a collective bargaining agreement rolls Do you get around. the feeling they're chiselling their way towards that now, though? No. I think there's been a fair bit of... And what has been good this year has been some commentary from players, from ex-players. What Nick Rewald's been big on it is basically in your corner, Duff. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not in your corner on it. I'm just saying that they, he is... I think there's more commentary on the role they play now and they should be doing more and they should be doing it in more in other areas than they are. I think that's where I think they're getting better. The first thing they need to do is what is your role? What is your role? Where are we allowed to interfere and where aren't we? Well, their role, they're a players union. That's their role. So, but they need to I guess redefine their charter, but they're there to protect the players and the welfare of the players. That is their role. So clearly they failed in this instance. They have failed, yes. But it's not, I mean, it's not, the instance wasn't their responsibility, but the reaction wasn't there. So, they, yeah, they failed in their reaction, for sure. And the AFL. And the AFL has. And how and you'd have to put WorkSafe South. How WorkSafe South Australia went through, if, if players gave an account, if, even if one player, like Eddie Betts, gives an account of that, of that camp that Eddie Betts has now given in his book, surely... That represents a massive red flag in terms of workplace Agree. safety. So the player retired shortly after that. Indigenous player. Well, Look. Cam Ellis Yeoman left the club, and Cam Ellis Yeoman ended up retiring. He spent seasons at Brisbane. Um, he retired over vaccination issues this year, not necessarily because um, he was anti-vax. He was more a case of. He decided that his career was almost cooked anyway and he didn't really want to be told he needed to have the vaccination to continue playing football given that he, he felt he wasn't going to play much AFL footy. So um, he played on for several years um, after that, but he left um, Adelaide, hmm. well, it might have been a year, might have been two years after that. So he, it crueled the club. Yeah, no question. And they are still digging their way out of that hole now. Five years later. Let's tip some winners. Let's try. Friday night. This is a big game. Melbourne v Collingwood. Uh, Is the real Melbourne backed up? Can Collingwood make it 11 in a row? We saw the best version of Melbourne at Optus Stadium. Was it the best version? Yeah. It was a better version. They were very good. I still think there's room for growth. Which is a bit scary. So Melbourne are a dollar thirty-seven. Collingwood are three dollars fifteen with tab touch in this game. Um, that's Melbourne's one wood. They will stop you moving the ball. They will make you give the ball back to them. They will score off your turnovers. So Ben Brown back this week. We're told, which is important, three weeks out from the finals to their structure, and that won't disrupt their structure at all no. because their quietest player last week was Sam Wiedemann. Yeah, so. so and he will make way for him. So we we would anticipate that. So. Uh, and Collingwood, look, ten in a row. You can't, you can't bag that form. Seven in single digits. That's remarkable. So winning form is good form. It is. And Collingwood can just all they can do is keep putting their best foot forward. They play what I call go ahead footy, which means the ball always goes forward, and they back themselves to win it. You know, further down the field. Than, than where they had it. Sometimes the transfer of the ball is precise and sometimes it's chaotic, but they back themselves to manage the chaos better than the opposition. So 
I expect so I, I, I applaud Collingwood they are so far ahead of where they I think they'd be I thought they'd be at this point I don't expect them to have a huge impact in September I think they've been going they've been up for a long time the worrying signs for me now there are a couple of injuries that are worrying right Jeremy Howe is a big worry Taylor Adams will play take no further part in the home and away and finals is iffy so that's a hamstring. It is. So there too, and now we hear, not that he's played any part this year, but Brody Grundy, he's had another setback. I'd like to see him. I mean, it's a, it's that's been a dynamic that's been off-talked about. But those sort of things can have a weight-bearing on your overall performance eventually. I just think Melbourne, what we saw last Friday, Collingwood being... Look, they've got over the line. They've been magnificent the way they've done it. They're well-coached. They're well-led. They've got some talent in there, but I'm pretty confident in picking Melbourne to win this game. I think Collingwood will get found out a bit on Friday night. Yeah, I'm going to tip um, Melbourne. Um, Collingwood does play well against Melbourne. We should bear that in mind. There's something that Collingwood does that troubles Melbourne. I'd, the Grundy thing doesn't bother me at all. I think Cox and Darcy Cameron have done a great job in the ruck. Sometimes it's not about getting your best players out there. Sometimes it's just about getting the right mix. Yeah, the best combination, yeah. And and right now that combination is working for them. So, you know, they can go without Brody Grundy until that combination stops working for them. I suspect Mason Cox plays his best footy as a forward ruck. Yeah. And, and Darcy Cameron's emergence has been one of the feel-good stories of the season. I think he's a, you know, he's a, a player that took a time to attract the attention of AFL scouts. He then took time to establish himself in the AFL system even after he was drafted and now he's playing great footy and that is a credit to him and a credit to all those that have played a role in his development. Um, so that's okay. Taylor Adams, I think you're right, he's a massive out. And Jeremy Howe, if Jeremy Howe doesn't play in this game, I think that makes life very difficult for I him. I think history suggests he won't get up. Yep. So Melbourne for me. Melbourne for me. Hawthorne versus Gold Coast. So Hawthorne a dollar ninety five. Gold Gold Coast a dollar eighty five. I would be leaning the other way on this one. I reckon Hawthorne should go be slight favourites to be. I'm picking the Hawks. It's in Tasmania. Yeah, they know the territory well. Uh, it's a long way from the Gold Coast. I didn't like their second half. Gold Coast. Full credit to them this year. There's still a chance. An outside chance of playing finals, remote, but they're an outside. So chance. That they can only replace Collingwood. That's right. Yeah, but I think um, well, replace no, Collingwood, no St Kilda, St Kilda, yeah, St Kilda, or or if Collingwood went zero and three. Well, no, what about Carlton? Uh, sorry, Carlton. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say, no, no, geez, no, you're, you're tipping a big slide for Collingwood. No, there. sorry, not Collingwood, Carlton. Yes, I think Carlton and St Kilda. Are, I think St Kilda is the most vulnerable. I'm really interested. We'll get to Carlton in a minute, but uh, I'm picking the Hawks. I think they've been okay. Uh, I didn't like Gold Coast second half last week, and now they're travelling. They've had a good year. I think where they are now is well ahead of where I thought they'd be, and I think they're set up for a tilt at the finals next year, but it won't be this year. Hawthorne for me. Yeah, I'm tipping Hawthorne. I've been a little bit disappointed in Gold Coast just the last two or three weeks. Maybe it's a young team getting to the end. Maybe it's knowing that while there is a mathematical chance of finals, there's no realistic chance of finals all those things may come into play um, in the way they're going about it I'm like you I was I thought West Coast kept coming at them last week I didn't like the way West Coast were able to score so easily Mm. when they got through inside their own attacking 50 I thought Gold Coast defensive mechanisms uh, let them down a bit and and what that tells you is that that there's been a drop off in intensity and and those sorts of things so um, tipping Hawthorne um, I want to see a strong performance from Gold Coast. I want to see them not come out of a season with their tail between their legs whimpering. You know, come out of it with your head held high, ready to take a run at the preseason. You don't accept season. that next year is going to be a year we play finals or push through it, that this year's a write-off. Actually have a crack. Start next year this year. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been a pretty good year for them. Uh, this next game fascinates me. GWS v Essendon at Giant Stadium. Do we see an improved performance from the GWS 14? Or how many of the 14 will be left after Mark McVeigh's That's a good question. Table? Oh. So I'm talking about the fact that Mark McVeigh last week came out of the game. They've been dreadful the last 
little bit. Uh, him saying, incidentally, eight uh, players, only eight players went to the wall for us, and he named them. Got it. Got some Twitter feedback. We wondered why Canelio wasn't in that. He eight. D- didn't play. Didn't play. Okay. Yeah. We apologise for Stephen Canelio. Yes. Hmm. Um, yeah. Look, I don't know. I t- well, that- I'll tell you, I'm picking the Bombers. I can't pick GWS at the moment. It's 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 that giant. So you like the. Does it stir them? I don't. That's the problem. I don't think that sort of a commentary from the coach will stir them. No, I think it'll have more of the other effect. Yeah. I think it'll create schisms yep. within the player group. I, you know what? The more I think about it, I, they really need a coach like Clarkson. They need someone who will come into the club and be the ultimate authority at the club and basically say yay or nay to stuff, and players will listen. Yeah, he'll do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like you, you're going to have to have um, a a coach with a lot of front and that's not a young coach the problem with Clark is going to be it's not just the playing group you want to manage no he want to manage up as well yeah correct and that's not necessarily going to happen there no but having said that um, he will answer to the ultimate football authority at GWS that is the authority that runs that club and that is the AFL yeah Yeah. it won't just be the CEO of GWS Dave Matthews or the football manager at GWS Jason McCartney it'll be the AFL I think discussions will have been had already between the AFL and Alistair Clarkson do you reckon they have been for some time yes they private conversations 100% I'm being sarcastic yeah, yeah. Glenn. okay right I think there's no doubt about that mm-hmm. so well, I'm going to pick the bombers here yeah Essendon $1.75 GWS $2.08 I'm with you I can't I just can't make a case for GWS something like the outburst from Mark McVeigh after the Battle of the Bridge may have a galvanising effect. I suspect it's more likely to have a fracturing effect, and I suspect they are, they are a group that has checked out, and you're going to be unlucky if you cop a switch on GWS between now and the end of the season. <laughs> you know what I liked about it from McVeigh, though, and I liked it two weeks earlier when he said, I'm going to give him, you know, there'll be no, one, there'll be no soft training sessions between now and the end of the year. Uh, at least he's going out swinging. He's looking at this group saying, this is not good enough. I'm, I mightn't be co- – he's not going to coach there next year, but I'm going to have an impact in the short time I'm here. And you don't know. The, he may be chiselling away at the bedrock that may help Clarkson next year. Yeah, maybe. Well, at least sometimes when you do that, you um, there's a great saying. Um, Ross Kelly, the former Fremantle president, told me this saying. He said, the water level's got to drop every now and again because it shows you where the rocks are. Mm. And uh, – and maybe this will show them where the rocks are. They will find out who is resilient enough to, you know, gather themselves in the face of some pretty challenging circumstances and and who isn't. But that said, with this generation of people, the millennials, it's a dangerous path to tread. Because while the flip side of the what does not kill you make you stronger Mm -hmm. is that, yeah, unless it kills you. (laughs) It's true. Then instead of being stronger, you're just dead, you know. So I think that um, there's there's danger in that, and the best way to proceed as a football club is get the best group of footballers you can get and have them kick, mark, handball, tackle, chase, and run as well as they possibly can. I keep can. thinking of the Quentin Tarantino movie, The Hateful Eight. I yes. keep thinking, is this a hateful eight or a grateful eight, or what is it? <laughs> these <laughs> these eight GWS players, and what happens to the other four? It's the Mark McVeigh. The Mark McVeigh, exactly. Your boys. Western Bulldogs versus Fremantle. So Marvel, West, under the roof. Yeah, so the Bulldogs are at $1.48. Fremantle are at $2.65. The odds are right. Western Bulldogs to win. Does Matt Taberner play? Yes, to me he does. We'll know later the Savo. But what are the alternatives? There really are none. I would be surprised if he didn't play. Uh, they were good, interesting comments from Justin Longmuir. He hasn't been in good form. They Their forward line needs a reaction. They need to work harder, but they also need better delivery into that forward line. I thought their midfield, while they were they lowered their colours to Melbourne, I don't think the midfield or the defence have been much at fault. I think it's been more the connection and the effort inside 50. Yeah, I think there's been a lack of dare generally about the way they've played. I think that's been around the contest. This is how you end up with three or four midfielders getting 30-plus and you still get clobbered. That, that's a really dysfunctional is, statistic. Is that with finals approaching and you just get a little bit timid and wary and you think, well, I'm not sure? Do you think that – is that – would that be a reason for this? I think David Mundy said on a one of the many shows he's done this week after announcing his retirement or his impending retirement that basically they're in a different headspace now because they've – 
they're in a position to achieve something this season, so they feel like they've got something to lose, and they've gone back into their shell. I, I know we had Alex Pierce on a radio show I do um, that was on Saturday, and he made the point. He said they need to keep coming out of themselves and playing with some dare. So that will be the challenge. That will be what they're attempting to do. Um, and if they do that, I think they're a strong chance of at least competing strongly in this yeah. game, there is just not enough in their form over the last three weeks to recommend them to enable me to pick them in this. I'm picking yeah, the dogs. So am I. The other interesting point will be, we saw what happened with the dogs last week. What effect will that have on them? Jumped out of the, the blocks against Geelong and it looked like they were headed for an upset, convincing victory and got smashed after quarter time by Geelong. I think that'll have a bit of an effect on the Western Bulldogs, but you pick them under the roof at Marvel Stadium. Um, it's their home ground. I don't think Frio will mind playing there either. Uh, interesting, their training session this week. Uh, ter- well, it's been torrential rain all week, so you haven't got much choice here, but uh, Justin Longmuir was saying you can get a lot out of training under these in these conditions, even though we are going to play in a, in a dry arena. So I'm going to pick uh, the Dogs um, and... But I don't think it'll be an overwhelming victory for them. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're going to get from Fremantle. I just want to see Fremantle have a swing. I don't want to see them play timid, placid football. I want to see them take the game on, bounce off halfback, try and shift the ball quickly, give their forwards good looks, and hopefully play Matt Taberner and hopefully see how Matt Taberner and Rory Lobb go with the ball coming you've in You've got three weeks. With a bit of speed You've on got it. the Dogs, you've got a home derby, and you've got the Giants in Canberra. You've got three weeks here to actually turn things around. You've got a long, a big space of time to turn things around yep. pre-final. So it's the ball's in your court, Freo. Yeah, but we're both on the dogs. Yep. Geelong versus St Kilda, $1.14. The Cats, $5.75. The Sainters. Um, well, there's plenty to recommend the Cats, and there's not a lot to recommend the Saints. Fell away against Hawthorne in the final quarter. Um, impressive start. It's hard to know what to make of that game. Hawthorne doesn't play four quarters. It almost did St Kilda take their foot off the pedal a little bit late. They're guilty of that. Again, you know my thoughts on St Kilda. I've never been um, overly impressed with them. In the meaty part of mediocrity? In the meaty part of mediocrity. And where do we find them? Right smack bang in the middle of it again. (laughs) Um, Although they're in eighth position. So, again, the destiny's in their hands. I can't make a case for them at GMHBA. Um, You talk about dare. I'm not sure if they've got much of that, to be honest. So They're going to need um, a massive... Rowan Marshall was massive last week, and certainly their best player and the best player on the ground by a considerable margin. Um, they're going to need something like that again. They're going to need to hit Geelong somewhere where they can hurt them. Well, Mar- well they can <clears throat> hurt them with Marshall because... So apart from the ruck, yeah. you, you can't really see anywhere else, can no. you? No. So. And the defence at Geelong, which has been magnificent of late... Just Tom Stewart just slotted in seamlessly last week, didn't he? Yep. Geelong comfortably for both of us. This one's an interesting one. Port Adelaide versus Richmond at Adelaide Oval. Port Adelaide are $1.67. Richmond are $2.20. Now, Port's season is done. It is, but their form's been good. Yeah, but Richmond's season isn't. Mm-hmm. So does the extra motivation, is that enough for the Tigers? Or I, I think Port's form is better. It is. I'm picking Port at home. It's been an interesting battlefield for Richmond Port Adelaide. We've seen them go over to Adelaide Oval in a in a final and get smashed. We've seen them go over there often. We've seen them turn turn seasons around there. It's been really interesting place for them. Um, oh, Grimes out for we hear today. He will be out unless he won't play again this year unless they go deep into finals. Yeah. So I'm saying he's not playing again this year because I don't think they'll make finals, and if they do, I don't think they're going deep. I'm thinking Ports wins this. Yeah, I'm going to tip Port. Um, I'm not. Uh, Richmond is a remarkable player group, and they show remarkable resilience, and they play a brand of footy that they know and they will be faithful to, and that takes you a long way in AFL footy. It, they they come at the opponent, they turn themselves in the hunt into the hunter, um, because they play go ahead footy, and so all those things are big positives for them. But I just think. Port Adelaide, I get the feeling, will be the best team outside the top eight. They, were, I think, they the, already are at the end of the season. Are, well, the Western Bulldogs, I think, have got more upside, and I still expect them to come in. But I think the the form they are the form side, Port. Yeah. So I'm tipping them to beat the Tigers. Same. All right, 
North Melbourne versus Sydney. Uh, Sydney a dollar seven, big big favourites. North Melbourne eight dollars fifty. Um, well, <clears throat> have, do we have any word on Ben Cunnington? He's either going to play in the VFL or the AFL this week. I think he plays VFL, doesn't he? He comes back through. It's a great um, effort, regardless. You, I think you play in VFL. I mean, what's to be gained? He needs the run. Um, and I think you play and maybe give him a game second last round, last round would be the way to run it with Ben Cunnington. No one – he is the talisman of that footy team. They walk taller when he's in that team. And he has had um, a bout of testicular cancer. And he well, is – Well, two bouts. Two bouts of testicular cancer. It's been a very, very hard, long road for him. Um, we're all great admirers of what he does on the footy field. He's your honest, isn't he? He's your honest. Probably should have played in the seventies because he's that sort of honest player and loves it. Uh, yeah, I don't reckon I would have wanted to be near him in the seventies. No, because he would have got away with a bit more. I think Ben is one of those blokes who is very combative. Um, he doesn't do it much these days because he's, you know, he, he understands the rules and he understands the limits. But um, yeah, Ben is a bloke. You'd like beside you in the trenches, and um, as as was said of another player in the eighties, a good driver in heavy traffic. Good driver in heavy traffic. Yeah, that was that was Gary, Gary Ayres. Ayres. Mm. Yes, correct. But he very much fits that mould. I'm going to pick. Um, I can't make a case for them at the moment uh, against Sydney. Certainly impressive win last week against GWS. What does that mean? Well, you can only play who you're playing against at the time. So Sydney have been. A revelation to me this year. Not not the talent in the team, but the, the, the rapid development of them. Yeah, I'm going to tip Sydney. I mean, how can you not? Um, here's a question for you. Yep. So David Mundy announces his impending retirement this week. Um, hopefully that gives Fremantle a bit of a spike, something to cling to. If you're North Melbourne, would you dangle the carrot of David Mundy, one season, good money? Yes, now, I know they're in a development phase and it's all about youth, but I think that there's not enough experience in that team, particularly around the midfield group. How much could you learn off David Money in a year, the, the, the Simpkins of this world? Uh, I think lots. I think it would be a really good investment by North. I think the other thing is that um, how much could he bring the younger players around him into the game? Big time. I, I but think- if he's, has he got... That much footy left in him? Oh, well, I think he's, the problem with David is when you don't have the ball. That's the problem. Yeah. Like, I would imagine that given that David's just come off a, a game where he's had 36, now admittedly he kicked four of them out on the full, his ball use hasn't quite been at the level this year than it has been in previous years. Um, but I think the big problem is what happens when the opposition has the ball. Well, I, they couldn't be any worse than they've been this year with it. So, the... And the other thing for the, probably the other issue for Fremantle from a list management perspective is basically that they expect Nathan Fife to be back next year, and Nathan Fife is you know that big-bodied beast in around the midfield. Can you play David Mundy and Nathan Fife in the midfield together? Well, this is an argument we've been not an argument, a conversation we've been having all year. So probably not. By the way, Fife is expected to resume this year, but you're just saying playing on next. Well, year. I think Fife will resume this year, but I think he'll be. Later rather than... Uh, no, I think it'd be a forward mid, not yep. a... But I think Nathan Fife will want to be an inside mid next year. I think that's what... He, and he will tailor his preparations to doing that. And I think that means that, you know, you take the 31-year-old inside mid over the 37-year-old inside mid. But David would help bring the younger North Melbourne players into the game when they have the ball. Do you think Money wanted to play on another year at Frio? I don't know. It's an interesting question. I, I don't know. He's, he's always been very mindful of the youth developing around him. Um, but having said that, well, like I don't think there was a contract on offer because, let's face it, who turns down a $500,000 contract? Hmm. Would you? No. Well, I wouldn't. No. So, therefore, if the club was saying to David, um, we'd like you to play on and here's $500,000. Of course you are, yeah. I think David would play on. But um, So, I would say, was he pushed? I suspect there was a two-way conversation between the club and the player. This is what we think. This is what you think. You could have possibly, if you were North, you could make it worth his while because it's a big move for him. Having said that, he is a Victorian. He's from Seymour in the Goulburn Valley. Um, Great area of Victoria, that. But you could say he's a year of playing, a bit like Sam Mitchell, a couple of years of uh, midfield as midfield coach. I just think... The, the the appeal that David Mundy has for me is for a young midfield group that's still trying to find its feet 
David Mundy would make the players around him better, I think. Not he, I think. He would make the players around him. Because he's clean with the ball in his hands. He, he identifies good options. He gets the footy to them. And Still makes he makes the players in Frio around him better. He does, but they're a bit further along, aren't they? Well, they're know? just younger. I and mean, if, as you say, he's not running the. Uh, he can't. He hasn't got the legs anymore to run the other way. Yep. Not that he doesn't want to. Yeah. So I think he would be uh, a very good choice for North Melbourne next year. All right, and Sydney will beat North comfortably. Yes, they will. Brisbane versus Carlton at the Gabba. Brisbane at a dollar thirty-seven. Carlton at three dollars ten. Carlton are riding the roller coaster at the moment. Win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Mm. But they're the sort of team that's likely to bob up and do something well, in this game. Well, they are, but I can't pick them at the Gabba. Brisbane at the Gabba? I think so. I mean, where are Brisbane? For me, I, as we said on Tuesday, I got the big black texture out and just drew a line through them at the weekend. That was disappointing. That was very disappointing. Wasn't the most disappointing loss this year? Uh, Carlton's to Adelaide was last weekend in terms of what it means to their season. But I'll tell you what, that's a pretty close second. Yep. When you're that far in front, you had them on the ropes, absolutely on the ropes, and you let them just claw their way back. And you saw what was happening and you still let them do it. I find that an indictment on that team at the moment. So I'm not going to pick tip against them at the Gabba, and I just want to see a bounce back this week from that. Brisbane for me. Yep. All right, last game of the round, West Coast versus Adelaide. Josh Kennedy's farewell game at Optus Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Uh, pretty pretty much even money on this one. Adelaide $1.85, West Coast $1.95. Adelaide coming off a great victory. West Coast coming off a brave, narrow loss against Gold Coast. Um, a lot of roads have led to this. This is one of their heroes. This is one of their favourite sons. Um, and I think West Coast can get up for this. I agree. Um, Adelaide, I've got to apologise to them too. I smashed them last week, said, let's not even talk about this game. They can't win. They, they, they Very good effort to beat Carlton. Um, played Keys in a different role. Played played more as a... He um, played forward, kick three. Which yeah. is, I thought was a good move because he could put him in the middle every week. He gets 30, 30 plus. So just changed things up a bit. They were pretty impressive last week. Yeah, could they win? Absolutely, they can win. We, against West Coast this year, anyone can. Um, but if anyone individual, if you're going to get up for any individual, surely it's Josh Kennedy in his last game, playing in front of his home crowd, with West Coast form pretty decent. And I'm going to tip them to win, and I'm going to say he kicks four. I'd like him to kick more, but I think... That's about where he's I'm going to say West Coast wins. I reckon Josh kicks three. I reckon he kicks two early, and then his knee gets sore, <laughs> which is probably what's been happening uh, for much of the year. I think West Coast late season form, you know, well, then, since the buy, their form's been been, been it's been better. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. There's not a lot to recommend it, but um, but it has been better. What have they won two? Um, so we can't say they're in they're in ripping well, form. one since the bye, but um, but their form of the year they've been more competitive. Um, this is one you get up for. Um, good luck to them. We hope if you're Eagles fans, get along. This guy's been one of the club greats. And also, I might add. So um, if you're looking at going out there and buying any memorabilia, big weekend for the West and the Sunday Times tomorrow. There is a unique code on the front page of the West Australian. I love this prize. So you get your unique code um, on the front page of Friday's West Australian and you enter online at thewest.com.au backslash JK. That's thewest.com.au backslash JK. You enter that by noon Monday and hopefully one of you, well, one of you will win Josh Kennedy's signed playing jumper from Sunday's game, his last as an AFL player. Yeah. That's a sensational prize. The last jumper hit Josh Kennedy plays in, a signed jumper. So you want to um, you want to get hold of that one. Saturday, there'll be a big poster, big fold-out poster. And then Sunday, we've got a 12-page lift-out on the day of the game. There'll be all sorts of interesting stuff. Duff, you'll have some stuff in there. I will. We'll have a, uh, we'll have a cut-out beard for anyone who wants to indulge. Uh, there'll be a poster there, souvenir poster, and all sorts of stuff happening with Josh. We are celebrating one of the great, great players uh, in West Coast history. Great player, great person. They're going to fill the stadium. Oh, I hope they get fifty. Yeah, I think they've been, you know, in, they've been in the low forties in recent weeks, despite their poor form. I, I think that that'll spike. I think they'll get fifty. I reckon they will.
Um, hopefully they get some good weather. All right. Now it's time for this. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel Mailbag. Yes, thank you to Thirsty Camel. Thank you to Jack Daniels. We're giving away a 10-pack of Jack Daniels' old number seven whiskey and cola. It's a beautiful drop. Please keep your emails short. Please let us know if you're from the great state of Western Australia. A lot of mail to get through this week. This one from Jesse uh, Duff. Being the football whiz that you are, can you please share your wisdom with the rest of the Frio faithful? What would your ideal six-man forward line look like at Frio over the next two, three years? Using the current list and excluding Lob, what is your answer to the forward crisis? Also, if you bring in one player to help, who would it be and why? And by the way, I don't think it's Luke Jackson. And that's from the J-Dog. So... I can't sit here with my hand on my heart and say it is definitely wrong to go after Luke Jackson. I'm just not sure about Luke Jackson. To me, if the for, if a, the lack of another quality forward is the issue, I just don't see enough evidence from Luke that he's going to be a quality forward. Now, that doesn't mean he won't be. He's 21 and he's 200 centimetres tall, so we all know what Luke Jackson's going to be when he's 24. Um, just as it took Tim English till he's 24 to emerge as the great on-ball ruckman, etc., etc., etc. I just, I'm not sure about Luke Jackson. You don't forget you've got Josh Tracy. Don't forget you've got Jai Amos. Um, I still hold out hope for Sam Sturt. I've been a bit disappointed. A that he didn't get opportunities earlier in the season, and then B that he didn't fight his way into the team. Um, be interesting to see how they go at selection this afternoon. Yeah, well, how, how does he get back into that side? So, well, he kicked four last week. Yeah, and so if zero got, tackles. If you've got a team that aren't kicking goals, and you've got a bloke who can kick goals, you, he has to be looked at. But is the zero tackles a concern? Yeah, but how many tackles does Michael Frederick like? Okay, okay. But I, is he, who's I, the most I, vulnerable in that? Forward? Michael Frederick zooms around and looks super quick and super dangerous, but he doesn't mow many opposition defenders down when they've got the ball. Uh, have, how he's quick, he should. Of those forwards, so let's take Tabiner out of the equation because he's a different player. Well, I think Tabiner has okay, to play. Of the week. smaller player, who's the most vulnerable? Is well, it I think Lock- on form, Lockie Schultz. Yeah, okay. So if, if anyone was to come out for, for Sturt, it would be Lockie Schultz. Well, probably at this stage. Um, don't forget that Travis Collier played last week. I think Travis Collier is probably almost, it's almost at a stage where they're going to go past him. He's got a contract for next year, but I suspect next year he'll be a depth player, a little bit like Connor Blakely has been this year. Um, so I think the great thing about young players is they get better. So trust the development that happens with Amos and Tracy and show some patience. Um, the Jackson thing will be what it will be. It appears that they're going hard after him and it appears that they're a strong chance to get him. Being measured as we speak for a purple jumper, mate. So... I'm just. I'm not saying it won't be great. I'm just saying I'm not convinced, and I'm, and I think the price will be high. So yeah, I'm, I've got reservations about that. But but what I would say is that he's 21, and we'll know what he's going to be when he's 24. John from Inaloo writes, Hey Duff and Quarters, just my two cents worth on Eddie Betts and the camp. I've just finished listening to Sports Day SA with Malcolm Blight and some other SA bloke. <laughs> I don't know who that was. And I was disgusted and bewildered by their backing up of the Adelaide Football Club and the camp. He continued to say that WorkSafe SA, Graham Corns and players such as Taylor Walker and Rory Sloan found no issue with the camp and what happened to the players. So it's just Eddie trying to sell a few extra books. And added, they went through things on camps when they played 40 years ago. Walker showed he wasn't culturally sensitive last year too. What a sad, sad duo they must be to think Eddie made this up. I get that Adelaide were looking to eke out 1% more from the players. This road to hell is paid with good intention. Oh, the road to hell is paid with good intentions, as they say, and they haven't acknowledged a failure of leadership. With Mark Rusciuto still involved and being unapologetic, um, I think he was a little bit um, yesterday. I can't imagine what it would be like to send your 18-year-old to that club with people like that still involved. Anyway, that's my view. Love the podcast. We've covered that territory at length earlier on, but that's a um, um, very good email. Yeah, and you know what? If you want better relations with everybody, but Indigenous people in particular, just listen. Just listen. Mm. What has Eddie done? You can... You can find whatever motives you want for what Eddie's – all he's done is told, tell his version of the truth. And read the book. Just read it. This is what I heard. This is what was said to me. This is what I experienced. This is how it made me feel. 
And you can stack up as many lawyers and as many WorkSafe commissions and as many AFLs and as many Adelaide football clubs and as many AFL players associations against that as you like, but that is Eddie Betts' version of the truth. And that will not change. The truth does not change. One from the Great Lakes area, Duff. One from Paul from Chicago, who's the bourbon guy. You'll remember him from a little earlier in the season. Hello, gentlemen. I was struck by a quote from Justin Longmuir this week when talking about how the players should lift their game these last three weeks as a send-off for Monday. He said, He is close to the end and we need to make sure we put all of our personal issues and indifferences to one side and see if we can help him achieve what he wants to achieve in his last handful of games. Is he suggesting that some players have personal issues or are indifferent towards David Mundy? I can't imagine that would be the case. It seems Longmuir is implying that these personal personal issues and indifferences are playing a part in the team's recent lacklustre performances. What personal issues and indifferences might he be talking about and how is it related to Frio's recent slump? No, I think it's more, with David Mundy, it's more a case of... Um, what he's talking about is there's a personal achievement. 400 games coming up. For David. I think it's, yeah, it's more about David. So, so basically what he's saying is set that to aside and let's try and send him out the right way. Yes, yeah, so I think what he's saying is it's not about people having indifferences to Monday. It's about the fact that they would have liked him to have played on a few of them. But that's the way footy goes. It's a tough industry. You've got to make these calls. Uh, this one from Mark from Quinn's WA. High Duffin Quarters. <laughs> Was pretty sad and disappointed to hear about the excerpt from Eddie Betts' book about the camp and shows how, to, how out of touch some clubs in the AFL are about treating their Aboriginal players. My perception is that when the AFL has a hard choice to make, they always pick the commercial slash protect the brand option rather than being the custodians of the game and demonstrating integrity and fairness. They investigated this incident and found nothing to see here. Interested to hear your thoughts? Well, once again, we have covered that territory, um, but thank you for your email. This one from Ron Campbell from Geraldton. Josh Kennedy Country. Hi, Duffin Quarters. Your pod is a must-listen, filled with past and present in-depth knowledge and insight and is very entertaining. Thanks, Ron. I'll give you the 20 bucks later. I know you already celebrated JK's great footy career. We know he is a champion, but has Josh ever been suspended in his seven seasons of footy? If not, then it is something that has not been mentioned. I think that is something to be celebrated and commended and perhaps acknowledged with an award by the AFL. Your thoughts? Lastly, will he remain at the club as a forward coach or depart footy forever? Well, I don't think it's worthy of a, of an award but we we're talking about this yesterday and I, to my knowledge i don't think so i can't recall him being suspended He's a ball player yeah i can't even remember him getting really angry cuz sometimes you know i can't either sometimes you can be inadvertently accidentally reported if you know what i mean you can be involved in a in an incident or a melee but i just can't remember him and when you think about it there's some big, ugly defenders who've played on him who, you know, would have hassled him and given him a couple of kidney punches and what have you. And, he, yeah, he's been a remarkable player, hasn't he, in that sense? He has. He, um, he actually cleaned up my nephew in a Western Derby when Paul was um, had the ball running across the ground. He was looking into the sun and he couldn't see an option to kick the ball to and he dithered too long with the ball and he ran smack bang into Josh Kennedy's shoulder. Paul said, he said, the sky got very dark very quickly. <laughs> and he's, Did he's, Josh say anything to him? Uh, I don't know whether he said anything. Uh, Paul's, Bet um, you would have after the game. Paul actually had, uh, um, I think he, it was a, a grade two, um, it wasn't a dislocation, it was an AC joint that um, it kind of half popped and half cracked, and uh, he said that he was pretty sore the next week. And uh, yes, he he did say that uh, he d- he accepted all blame for it because he said he took too long to get rid of it. But uh, basically, said it was a good hit. As for him being, well, you would hope he would have some role to play in footy going forward. I'm sure he will. I know he's got a camp happening up in Geraldton um, where he's developing helping youth. Um, that there'll be more written about that in time, but. Um, the depth of knowledge is enormous. I know he, he spoke four or five years ago, a fascinating radio interview about his learning the cape and learning his run, running patterns and sort of copied himself on um, Rick, Nick, Nick Rewald. Yeah. So oh, you couldn't go past him as a forward coach. I think it would be – I think there'll be certainly a clamber for his services. But um, West Coast, yeah, absolutely hope he's involved with the football. I reckon that when you've put it all out there like Josh Kennedy has, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if he just sits down – 
and at least has 12 months away from the game. Well, there's one game still to play apart after this week for Josh Kennedy. Yeah. He did promise Harry Taylor that they would get together <laughs> and play a game up in Geraldton. That'd be worth seeing. It would be, wouldn't it? You'd promote that. Yeah, they probably will promote it, give the money to a cause. You'd pack the place out. It would be fantastic. Here's a challenge. I want all teams with populations around about the size of Northampton to pick their team of AFL players and let's put them all in a time machine and stick them all in the one place at the one time. I'm batting, I'm backing Northampton to win the national championship. So you've got Harry Taylor. Josh Kennedy. Uh, Daniel Chick. Um, was I'm not sure, the Crips, the Crips. Yeah, boys. the Crips, Crips boys are from up. That's a pretty handy. Start. Andrew Lockyer. <laughs> it's a pretty handy. Start. And there was a gaggle of East Fremantle players too. I think Glenn Holt, who was a very very good player uh, for East Fremantle. Jeez, Gerald, East Fremantle just 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 a raft of players who come from the Paul Georgia Hazelby. Team. Paul Hazelby, yeah, gee whiz. It's a pretty fair team. It have a pretty fair goal to goal line. Oh yeah, and and a bit of grunt around the ball. Well, there's your challenge. Send us in some teams. If you we'll come read from, them out. If you come from another town, look up Northampton's population. If you come from another town with a similar population to Northampton, that can punch at a better weight than Northampton can, let us know. I don't think there'll be one. Very good email. Clubhouse leader. Clubhouse leader. Dave from Bicton writes. Sorry, David from Bicton writes. G'day, Duff and Quarters. Uh, love the podcast and the WA footy perspective. I'm a Frio supporter who's hoping we can regain some of that form on the run home. Following on from the discussion about schools earlier in the week, I just wanted to draw your attention to one mighty public school when it came to producing WA footy talent. Governor Sterling High School. Of course, Good Duff. call. Or Govo boasts a pretty impressive list of alumni, including current players Nick Natnui, Michael Walters, Rory Lobb, I realised Lobb was from Governor Sterling, and triple premiership player Nathan Broad, Frio coach Justin Longmuir, as well as former players Todd Banfield, Troy Longmuir, and Lions dual premiership player Bo McDonald, just to name a few. I didn't realise the Longmuirs went to yeah, Govo. Why, why would they have gone to Govo? I don't know. You have to ask them. Um, the great thing about our game is that players come from all walks of life, but once the ball is bounced, we all want to see them compete and then shake hands when the siren sounds. Let's keep it that way. Keep up the great work. Cheers, Dave from Victim. Here, here. Great email. email. Great email. Um, Mark writes, geez, I'll tell you what, there's been some response to the uh, public v private school stuff. Um, Mark from Gwellup, listening to Tuesday's pod, and there was a question as to why commentators and journalists etc refer to the private school kids um, but not public schools i listened to your answers but i didn't think you gave an answer rather you that you just spoke about your own experiences well i'm sorry mark but you know so what, what i do. would say about this is that a lot of this stems from the talk in um melbourne would you agree with this quarters yep. in sydney it's about where you live and in melbourne it's very much about where you went to school it is, but a lot of there's a lot of kids who are just snapped up by private schools in year eleven and twelve. Yeah, put on a scholarship. A lot, a lot. So you know. So should there be maybe a big statewide competition, which is under sixteens, so up to year ten? Yes, there is a. I know I played in it. There's a public high school competition. Uh, it's called the it was called the Herald Shield, now called the Herald Sun Shield. That's where you have public. Not over there. We don't care about okay, that. Okay, but here. I'm just giving an example. That's what you do. Um, yeah. So, look, so before a, a kid gets put on a scholarship to go to Scotch or Aquinas or um, Christchurch or or whatever, Hale, um, that there's a a a big public and private school competition up to year ten, where basically schools can. Play on an even playing field against these, against these big ticket PSA schools, and and see how they go. It's a really good um, idea, Duff. We I went to Norwood Secondary College. We had a great a lot of great footballers: Sam and O'Donnell, Banfield, Bailey, um, as well as Skyhooks, the band, and a few other people. So Shirley Strawn? Uh, no, not Shirley Strawn. Um, was it, was it um, Red Simons? No, it wasn't him either. It was the bass player. And uh, Anyway, the point is, we in year 12, we had a... Uh, I've ruled out half the band a, already. The <laughs> bass player, I think. Was it McIntosh? Anyway, we had a, uh, um, a competition. It was called the Herald Shield, now called the Herald. So what, what you did is you played... It was all... Um, 
you played against private schools. We played against St Bernard's College, and um, I think Steve O'Dwyer, the Melbourne Ruckman, was playing. Paul Still. Hamilton, the fullback, Hayden Kennedy, who went on to be an umpire, all playing for St Bernard's. Um, that was the year after we lost all those great players, uh, Salmon and O'Donnell and Co. They were a year ahead of us. And um, we lost by three goals. They kicked the first three goals in three minutes, and then we held our own. It was a great experience to play against a private school, and as a public school to know we weren't that far off. So I think it's a great idea. It has a lot of merit. I'd love to see that happen. And we still haven't answered the emailer's question. Um, Basically, I do think in Melbourne there's a lot of talk about where you went to school, whereas in Sydney there's a lot of talk about where you live. There is here, isn't there, where you went to school? Um, not for me because I was amongst the PSA boys. Yeah, well, not not for a public school boy. I just know that when we played against them, we beat them. Ha ha ha! <laughs> At least you've uh, moved on from that, Duff. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, I haven't let it go. Uh, <laughs> this one from Sam. Hi, Duff and Quarters. On Tuesday, you were talking about the Dockers' ball movement from the back line. What's completely changed our ball movement is our turnover game. For the first ten rounds, we were the best turnover team in the comp. The last ten rounds, we are ranked sixteenth. First half of the year, we would get the ball back in our front half, and this doesn't allow opposition to set in defence. We were using our leg speed and switching of the ball so much better and getting scores on the board. I think this can be an easy fix, but we need to start playing more aggressive like we were before. I have us finishing fifth at the end of the season with wins against the Eagles and Giants, which will have us playing the Blues. What a final that will be with our recent history with the Blues. Keep up the good work, guys. Cheers, Sam. Yeah, that's... I, definitely one factor. Um, they're, they're, they're not turning the ball over. The ball is getting out of their forward half too easily, so that is a factor. I do think that their defenders are better ball users and they're giving themselves credit for. They're not taking the game on enough. Michael from Bicton writes, long-time listener, first time. Email, and nice to have you on board, Michael. From a critical Fremantle supporter point of view, it seems to be that in the last few weeks against the good team attacks, we seem to be timid and lack conviction with our run-and-gun style that Fremantle showed early on in the season. It's almost like they are scared at getting scored against and opening ourselves up to those attacks. I thought this was evident against Richmond. I was at the Melbourne game earlier this year, and the last play before the half was when we took the game on across half-back and hit lob for a goal. It seemed to turn the game. Seems like teams are rolling back in defence quickly and we are just letting them. Also, do you believe expectations of free hour are too high? Also, I spoke to Duff, your nephew, and we both agree you stitched him up with David Mundy's retirement announcement. Thanks, lads. Keep up the good work, Michael from Bicton. Trouble in the Duffield household. What? Didn't you talk about it last week, about you smell you suspected? No, no, I didn't suspect anything. I just... Um, normally, when I ring Paul at this time of year, Paul's happy to have a conversation about footy, and I couldn't get him for a couple of days. And then, as soon as David had announced his retirement, you got him. I got him. <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't say to him, "Oh, did you speak to Dave?" And we keep a secret from me. I just smelt a rat. <laughs> Maybe it was the wrong rat. Last email, last year, uh, this one from Joe. My name is Joseph, I'm from Perth. With all the talk about Jackson coming to Frio, I'm a Frio supporter, by the way, got me thinking about what it would take in terms of a trade deal. As a supporter, I started to think what would be the most I would be okay with and then started to think Melbourne would want three first-rounders, which is not on, you're quite right there, and started to think of ways to avoid that and below are my suggestions. At the most, I would be happy with this year's first round and next year's first round and whatever higher-end picks back and forth. Trade with West Coast, a.k.a. the devil. West Coast first round pick for Erasmus or Johnson plus first round. No. I would say second. But West Coast need oh, a, God. Need a first round. Let him finish. First rounder in the draft. Could get it from somewhere else. Take Jackson in the national draft. Could use this to threaten Melbourne as well. Um, three, agree with West Coast. They will take Jackson in the supplemental draft. This will force Melbourne to take a deal. What are your thoughts? Mate, if you're even thinking about Sending Johnson or Erasmus. You've just sold the front. Talk about selling the farm. You've just sold the front paddock and the paddock with the biggest dam in it. And a couple of tractors. I mean, no. I mean, how silly is this going to get? Two first-round draft picks. Try and get a second-rounder for Rory Lobb. Send this year's first round, next year's first round to Melbourne for Luke Jackson. And try and take a second-round pick with the pick you get for Rory Lobb. That is as far as you go. They want more than that. Luke Jackson stays put, or he goes to West Coast. 
Righto. So I, for me, it comes down to there was also a very good email on Tuesday from Ryan in Bicton about um, Griffin Logue. But I think I've got it down to two. I've got it down to um, Dave from Bicton talking about Governor Sterling High School or Ron from Geraldton talking about JK's great footy career. Let's go with this is JK's week. Yes. JK going out. Ron you, Campbell, you, and he's a Jilton man. You declared that as the clubhouse leader. I have. He's half a chance to sit down and have one of those with JK. He is. So, therefore, he's from JK could come in and pick it up and take it up to him. He could. He may well do that. But please, Ron, congratulations and send your details to this address. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. Thank you very much for joining us today. Hopefully, we've tipped you a winner. Hopefully your team goes well this weekend. We've been brought to you by TabTouch. Those with the touch, better your bet. Download TabTouch today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 if you encounter any difficulties. Quarters, thanks for your company. See you again on Tuesday. Hopefully all your listeners will be with us as well. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.